Hi, I'm Casey Willis. Welcome to You Heard Me Right, a podcast that harnesses the power of creativity to connect artists from all different walks of life. You, our audience member and therefore distinguished guest, are the final element in this creative experience because the act of sharing art with others is the ultimate way to spread good vibes in uncertain times. For each episode, a writer is given a topic and they have two weeks to let that topic inspire a creative written response. The resulting written piece could be in the form of an essay, poem, short story. There were no wrong answers here. After that, the written piece is given to two different audio artists who interpret the story using sound. When we say audio artists, we're talking sound designers, composers, instrumentalists. It runs the gamut. Now, the audio artists also had two weeks to produce their sonic responses in any way that they wanted. It could be a song, a soundscape. Again, no rules for content. But they did have one major specification to follow, which is that their final submission had to be about 30 to 90 seconds in length. Throughout the course of this season, you're going to get to experience 30 world premiere works of art created just for this podcast. Oh, snap. I left out like a major component of the show. Okay, so all of the guest artists remain completely anonymous to one another, like zero contact, until we all meet up in person to discuss the artistic responses and anything else that comes to mind. Kind of like a modern day salon, but like way more chill. The theme of each episode was chosen using a process loosely based on the naming of the Dada art movement of the early 20th century. Basically, the originators of Dada were like, hey, what should we call our art movement? And they apparently just opened a French dictionary and pointed at a word and were like, uh, I guess it's called Dada now. Um, I'm a fan of slightly irrational methodologies, so... There's no real science behind any of the themes that were selected for this podcast. Just random words that were disseminated to some amazing creative minds whose individual perspectives and life experiences dictated their unique artistic output. Sound design is actually my primary craft, but I'm also an audience builder and creativity coach in training. Pretty much my whole deal is building harmony and togetherness. I guess I'm just super into cultivating spaces for people to be able to experience genuine human connection, especially in our current socio-political climate. So that's like a little bit about me and the show or whatever. I hope you're intrigued because I certainly think it's pretty cool. Okay, without further ado. The theme for today's episode is 50-50. You'll meet the first of today's guest artists right after this break. Our writer is a spoken word artist named Ryan. Let's meet him now. Hi, I'm Ryan Jay. Um, I'm a spoken word artist and environmental engineer and currently a 1L at Georgia State's College of Law. Um, I've been performing spoken word for about 10 years now um, and quote unquote professionally for the past four to five years. Um, Really enjoy it, really love it. Um, I kind of 
see myself and my work and like everything that I do as an existing in a space of like servicing others and servicing myself um, in the best way possible. So that's kind of what I try to live by is trying to like service myself and service others in the way that I'm able to and contribute more than maybe what I'm getting back or like, you know, contributing as much as what I'm getting to the world and to the people as, as, as I can, you know, a conversation or a hug or activism. It can, it can you know, be a, a wide range and variety of stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm here to do and what I feel like is my purpose and what I've been put on the earth for is to, to service. Ryan will now perform his poem entitled, The Odds Are Against Us. They say the odds of a Black person surviving to the age of 30 are about the same as flipping a quarter and having it land heads up. 50-50. Today, a Black person lands heads down tumbles through the air like a quarter on a mission and finds their way into the fingers of an expectant earth. And it makes sense. Both are bodies that we only give value after they've been cast in metal. Both are things this country has collected for years. Both are ideas only celebrated when they're in your possession, when you feel the name belongs to you, when you can no longer hear the sound of their voice or the echoes of their laughter. No one celebrates a quarter when it has no worth to them. No one speaks a quarter's name before it's been spent. No one acknowledges its value before it lands in their open palms and closed eyes, my mom says. My mom says, God hides his blessings behind closed eyes and open palms. And now I'm just wondering if that's why graveyards have always felt like churches, a congregation of people in infinite wait for their blessings. And maybe they've already received them. A ticket to the rapture feels a lot like a blessing now. Feels a lot like an escape from all this pain, this suffering, this turn up for the homies while they're here, they chant. My boys, all 27 now, gathered around the henny like it has a story to tell, drowning their sorrows and the love of their brothers in each flick of a glass. We're getting old, I shout. Just imagine, we're almost 30. And they shout back. Voices spinning through the air like a quarter about to land. Don't make it sound like a death sentence. If you're snapping along with me, I at least hope you are not driving. Okay, Ryan's written response to the theme 5050 was given to our two audio artists without providing any information about who he was as the author. And Ryan had no idea who his poem was being given to either. Sort of like collaboration in a mysterious void of wonder. At least that's what I was going for. But the first of our audio artists, Pro, approached the creation of his sonic response from his own unique perspective. Let's check it out. So I go by the name of Pro. That's P.R.O. Formerly known as Proverb. I am an MC. A songwriter, also battle rapper, amateur philosopher, also philanthropist, founder of willrapforfood.org. We do a lot of great work in the community advocating for at-risk youth and homeless. Uh, That's pretty much me. (laughs) Pro's response is a track entitled Black Enough. They say she had too much half and half in her coffee. You ain't black enough to be talking. They say the 
black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. So the light of the berry, we need proof. How could we foresee that all four C's would ignore the beautiful spectrum of blackness that's before me? The less cause the texture, the more you hear, of course, she's doing something akin to those thieves who stole we. Ironic in 2020, everybody woke, but we don't see to divide is to conquer. I hear Willie Lynch letter was fake, and how we living by those themes. If it's not your skin color, it's the politics you in, brother. Your blackness in jeopardy. Don't be a them lover. Well, I ain't worried about them. I'm worried we ain't loving us 100%. It's more like 50-50. It's more like 50-50. Well, I ain't worried about them. I'm worried we ain't loving us 100%. It's more like 50-50. Feel like 50-50. Pro coming through with the boars, which I believe is a hip-hop colloquialism uttered whenever an MC spits hot fire. Nailed it. Our second audio artist, Dorothy, was also given Ryan's poem to serve as source material to inspire her sonic response. How did she let the words and themes in the poem influence her creative process as a musician? Let's find out now, shall we? Hello, I am Dorothy Victoria Bell. I am an educator, theater practitioner. I am a singer, songwriter. I play a little guitar and a little bit of keyboards. Um, Music has been the foundation of my life. I grew up singing and harmonizing with my siblings and I think the very first sounds I can really remember is the guitar hearing my daddy playing it. I'm also a mother and a wife, and um, I have a 75-pound puppy who um, who likes to sit on my lap, literally, named Treble, like Treble Clef. Yeah. Dorothy's acoustic composition is called Against All Odds. Heads up, heads down, we know the game glass half full. Fighting for our names Eyes open Hands ready We deserve our blessings now We've struggled In turmoil Backs against the wall But against all odds Against all odds Against all odds God knows we're fighting Just to stay alive Against all odds, against all odds, against all odds. God knows our stories, voices crying from the grave. We're beautiful, not worthless.
thoughtful, melodic, and lovely. A refreshing take when tackling some pretty tough subject matter. With such nuanced artistic responses, the odds are pretty good that these three are going to have some really interesting things to say to one another when they meet. You won't want to miss their group convo happening right on the other side of this break. Welcome back. You just heard all of the amazing art that was inspired by the topic 50-50. The team of You Heard Me Right met up with all of the artists involved at the Treehouse, which is a cute name we gave to our Airbnb in the woods. We actually recorded all of the episodes of the podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic, so hosting a recording session in a traditional indoor studio for Three cast members and three crew members 10 separate times was out of the question. We wanted to make sure that our guests and crew were as safe as possible, which ultimately led us to our little outdoor haven in the woods, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Now, along with a truly insightful conversation, you will likely hear birds chirping, wind blowing, maybe a few acorns falling from their branches, Embrace the bonus ASMR, people. (laughs) Anyway, this was the first time that the individual artists came together and heard the sound pieces that were inspired by Ryan's poem. Here is what happened next. Hey, pro, Dorothy, Ryan, welcome to You Heard Me Right. So we just listened to Dorothy and Pro's sonic responses to your poem, Ryan. Like, how are you feeling? What are your thoughts right now? Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, I'll say that that was so wild, right? And <laughs> in, in the sense that, like, I think, I think it's so interesting how y'all personalized those, uh, those, those tracks. Like, I, I don't think if I were to respond to the piece that I wrote, I would have responded in like a totally different way than the way y'all responded. And that's just so interesting to me too. And then on top of that too, I think, I, I think both y'all really captured this idea that I was kind of playing with in my mind that didn't necessarily like, that I didn't necessarily capture in the piece in my, in my, in my mind, but maybe it came through at least a little bit. But like, I, I get kind of, when I think about black poetry, uh, a lot of black poetry lately has been really categorized in this in this space of like uh, of death and dismemberment of of you know of being demeaned and degraded and like and not really focusing on joy. And I, I was kind of like poking at myself in my piece where I was like, okay, you know what? Like, don't always be focused on the fact that like you know so many of us are like going be celebrate the fact that like you're here with your people now and that you have time with your people now. And I think both of y'all like captured that in in your in your pieces which is just like really wild because i was like i don't know if that came through but like (laughs) that like that was just awesome that was really that was really dope and um and yeah yeah that that was remarkable i don't i don't think yeah i definitely wouldn't have responded in the same way y'all responded and that's really awesome i'll say that much well i when i receive the piece um and i generally do this when i'm writing songs and it's been a while since i've actually written a song for myself and not taught other, because that's what I usually do. I'm teaching every summer here in, in um, Amsterdam songwriting techniques and putting music together. So for me, the process, it was kind of new. I, I don't think I've written a song in maybe two or three years. And I 
I carried your your poem around with me everywhere. Like I was at the um, in my car, I would like have it on the seat and I'd look at it and study and try to see, okay, what I see the structure, I see these three parts, and I see that it's referencing referencing, you know, the past and some of the things that um, he was taught. Like I was like like actually thinking, okay, this is his story, and I want to honor it, and I want to kind of follow the same structure. So I, I saw the the intro, just with the exposition, and then what mom taught about the, and I underlined, like I remember being at the, um, getting an oil change and underlining um, uh, eyes closed, hands. Uh, yeah, open palms. Open and, palms. And yeah. so I flipped that around. I was like, okay, it's time to open our eyes and get our hands ready, man. Come on. <laughs> you know, and then I, I saw the joy at the end with your friends and you all deciding to, you know, go ahead and celebrate the moment because, no, we, if, as long as we're still fighting, as long as we're still breathing, as long as we're still here, boom. And then the affirmation came in, like, we're beautiful and, and, and you know, we're not worthless. And then the... And then I always I have it in a lot of my songs I have a war cry or just yeah. a, just a worship actually because that's a part of my background as well. It's just so once I did all the the studying the underlining the I wish I would have brought the piece with you because you can see I was t writing all over it and then the um, I needed a chord combination so I got my guitar out. It's been months since I've been able to play and I found the uh, chord progression that I really liked. I was like, it's got to be moody and it's got to have, yeah, I mean, I've, I played around with a couple things and then I was on my back porch. So it took about a week. I was on, on my porch and the lyrics just came. Once I had the feeling, once I felt like I, I knew you a little bit more <laughs> through your, your, your writing. Um, so, and that's kind of how my process always is. Usually if there's a lyric that's kind of in search of a, a of a melody or I'll have a melody in my head. I'll be playing around on the piano or the guitar. I'll, I'll, I'll try to just let it come organically, I guess. Um, yeah, cause that was my process. Yeah. So, so it's, it's really interesting too. Uh, I think I, I picked up on the gospel aspect of your, of your piece too, that, that, which is also like, I'm very much, I was like raised in the church. Uh, the church very much informs a lot of my work. I, I kind of have this like, I tend to go back to that motif where I'm like, okay, like something is going to be a church in this piece. Something's going to be a congregation. There's going to be some relationship with God in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also like, I, I don't know, I, you, you mentioned like worship, like the worship of ourselves almost. And then, and, and kind of feeling that, 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 that's really awesome. You know, um, I think there's that connection there that maybe wasn't necessarily intentional, but is also intentional, you know, and, and that like, black people's relationship with the church is different in a lot of different ways, you know, yeah. and then it's changed over time too, where it's like, maybe the church has become less of a place and more of like a person and we are those people. And so like, you know, but that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so like, it's, I think it's awesome that it's like, you know, I think even in your response and in my piece, we pick up maybe two different relationships with, with, you know, maybe not necessarily Christianity, but with like the relationship between a church and a person mm -hmm. and, and what that means. So yeah. well, I've always been like, I don't know. I'm from Detroit <laughs> um, where we love ourselves yeah. no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, and when I moved to the South, it was so like in certain different places that like I was in Kentucky, in Arkansas, um, Atlanta has been the only place I've lived um, that kind of made me feel like, oh, we, 
we 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 it people we're <laughs> yeah. beautiful yeah. yeah you know I yeah. I don't feel that like in other places I felt like a lot of self hate when I was in in mm-hmm. grad school in Kentucky and I felt. Um, a lot of people just walked around with their heads down in Arkansas. I just like, I, I don't know. It just felt like I love saying, if I'm made in God's image, then boo, <laughs> this is this is all right. This yeah. is all right with me. You're beautiful. I'm beautiful. And there's no reason to walk around dejected and feeling like, you know, I mean, we're not perfect, but if, if we're in this image, then come on, people. You right. know, so I don't right. know. And I have a diff- that relationship with the church. I work in the church. I'm a PK worked in the church for several years and then I had to sit myself down yeah because I just needed to take a step back and kind of re-examine what basically what you said the church is in me right come on B I'm allergic (laughs) okay but yeah so yeah that's awesome let's hold for B please because it's like (laughs) right by your foot so uh yeah be careful I'm shaking. Everything went away. Uh, yeah, yeah, he flew away. <sighs> okay. Dorothy Bell is yeah. sweet like honey. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I just mm. sort of observed a little gesture from you, Pro, when Dorothy mentioned she was a PK. Like, what was that all about? Yeah. That was just showing support for fellow PKs. That's all it was. <laughs> oh, word. Yeah. Nice. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your creative process uh, when you received the piece, Pro? I want to say that your your process first is amazing. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> it's very technical. Um, I, I, I don't want to... Mine wasn't nearly as... as beautiful I think it's how yours was but um I, I I read the piece um and I pretty much had an idea before I finished the piece uh, of what I was going to write about um just from the spirit of I felt like what you were trying to say or alluding to comes from a certain stream of thought or consciousness and I had recently been in some conversations about um, validation of blackness and you know colorism and uh, b- both ways um, and prejudice and a lot of other things and I think this concept of unity it, it made me feel like you know this concept of unity that we talk about wanting is under one set of ideals it's it's not unity in our diversity of ideas and, and with the unified maybe general goal but it's unity under a very slim you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah. so you are qualified or disqualified based on uh which ideology you subscribe to right and you know so a white person that is more down for the cause quote unquote or at the cookout yeah will be considered more black than a black person that has been exiled from the family because of their ideology. So between all the fighting and all the other things that we're doing, trying to survive, I still see a fight within ourselves Mm. um, that we have to address. That is um, really, in my opinion, the most important fight um, before we can address anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what... what this is so interesting that like you you kind of touched on that and I I was so I don't necessarily talk about like like 
the diversity or the diaspora of, of blackness yeah. and the piece. But like when I first got that prompt and I saw 50-50, I have a, I have a child on the way mm. and he's going to be uh, multiracial, okay. um, like Native American, white and, and black. And, um, and I saw 50-50 and that's like the first thing I wanted to write about mm. because that's the conversation I've been having lately with, with people is like, what blackness is blackness? Mm. And that is, and, and from a black man, and I'm black all the way through, <laughs> you know. <laughs> whatever that means. Whatever that means. Uh, you know, I'm, what, what do they say online? It's like unambiguously black. Like, you know, like it's, it's trash, but you know. <laughs> Somebody's gonna hate on me for saying that, but Twitter it is what it is. is the problem. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I, I am. I blame Twitter every time. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, I am. I am unambiguously black, and for someone, I think to to like not even having met my child because I haven't even met my child yet, but to like know that he's going to enter into a world where somebody's like, "You are less black than me because you are not a hundred percent of something," mm-hmm. it, like bothers me right is that and i I very much agree with you that that blackness and and unity uh unity under blackness is something that we need right now that we aren't getting a lot of i think we spend a lot of time being maybe a lot more divisive than we should be amongst ourselves and and I, i mean i think there's a i think there's a a value in protecting blackness but i think there's also uh a bit of like it's hard. It's just it's just a difficult conversation. And I mean, in my bed, I'm kind of getting off topic talking about that rather than the poem. But like in, no, in our pieces, but like it, it just it just struck a chord with me, right? Because like I think about like the Jessica Scruggs, you know, the um, the Rachel Dolezal's, you know, like the people like that who like very much want to claim blackness and have been allowed blackness because of the fact that they are down for the cause and nobody ever questioned them. And then they get in, and then we realize that that's not what they are, and we're like, okay, word, like. Maybe we should be more protective, but then when we get to our own people, we're a little bit more skeptical, and we're when we and we like are quicker to disallow them from our spaces, you know. And that's like, and that's something that I, I very much when I saw that prompt, I was like, this is what I'm going to write about. <laughs> this is this is what I'm going to tackle because it is something that needs to be said. And the fact that you said it. Even like, and again, had nothing to do, it had less to do with my piece, but <laughs> yeah, the fact yeah. that you said it, I think is important. And I, and I think like, I think even in your response, right? Like you, again, talking about the, the, the variety that, you know, black people bring to the table and the, the, how different we are, but at the same time, we all share a very similar experience. I think the same thing goes with ideologies and conversations mm-hmm. is that we may be different and we may, uh, you know, exist in different spaces and operate in different ways, but we very much are having very similar conversations across the board um, and, and bringing different perspectives to those, those, you know, conversations. And so like, I very much appreciate the fact that you were able to touch on that <laughs> while responding to that, because it's like, okay, cool. I feel like by extension, I had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like by extension, I was like, I, you know, I wrote my poem, but then he said what I had to say in response to my poem. So, like, yo, that's what it is. It's tough. There's, there's a lot of conversations I feel like we don't necessarily want to have. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. Um, they're not popular. Right. But until we have them, we're going to keep running into the same issues, yeah, issues over and over and over again. You know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's the... The time that we're in, think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like we are being forced to, like we were saying, is we're forced to do things differently. Right. And we can't continue doing things the same. We can't do 
just basic things right now we have to wear we need to wear these masks i don't right. say we say we have to but we need to if we're going to stop the spread right um but it's it's taken that bandage off uh, these festering secret wounds and right. debris getting the crap out of these wounds and actually letting them heal that's right. why we have to have these we need to have these conversations right um, and I think we're or we're going to be forced to have these conversations yeah, yeah. see I, I was blessed I will say to go to an HBCU after being born in Detroit yeah. <laughs> so going to an HBCU and just seeing how diverse we are as a people. Oh, yeah. CAU represent Clark Atlanta University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's 2000. Shout out. Okay. Um, and then also traveling. Get your passport, people. Yeah. Get out of this country right. so you For can sure. actually know. Like if you go to Europe, all all the different type of blackness and you go, to, I, I was able to go to South Africa and just, man, uh, that, that was when my eyes were truly open because they don't, well, I'm not, I'm not going to put them all. We weren't, some of us weren't seen as even just being African. We're, you're just American. You're, right. you know. Uh, yeah, so I'm from PG County, uh, Maryland, and we have like this unspoken quote unquote beef with DC. It's, it's really dumb. Um, but it, none of it exists once you leave the area. So, like, um, if we come down to Atlanta and it's somebody from, they could be from Baltimore, and that's a whole different world to most people from D.C., Baltimore. Mar- like, if I say it from Maryland, you say Baltimore, that's, like, disrespectful to me because we, it's, like, a whole different culture. Right. But bottom line is if we're in Atlanta, oh, we're we're more familiar with one another than, you know, me and, and these people here. Same thing, you go out the country, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I'm going to link, are you going to say I have nothing in common with a white American because he's white and I'm in another country where they don't even speak English? Right. I'm probably, oh, you got Verizon, me too. We got something to talk about, <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? We we got all this political stuff happening. It's something that we can relate on. Yeah. And I think when you start judging people by truly by the character, um, you just avoid a lot of nonsense. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it could be a blind spot blind spot for people sometimes, just kind of blindly aligning yourselves with... with <sighs> Yeah. Dare I say people because of just because of, okay, I don't know you from Adam. I have no idea about anything you've ever done in your life. But you know what? I'm rooting for everybody black, right? right, right. And I agree with the idea and the energy of the, of the of the statement. But the idea still is like, yo, I got to judge you off your character. I don't want right, to. Right. What if it turns out right. that you did something yeah, wild? Now I'm rooting yeah. for you? Yeah. No, man, nah. Yeah. I need to know who you are. And then right. it's like, okay, yeah, now I judge you based on that. And right. I feel like that's a safe place and it's reasonable. Right. Ultimately. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And, I, and I think there's, I think what makes it hard, right? Because I, I very much come from a space where like I, ha- I have difficulty with that sometimes. <laughs> where I, I, I'm very much am uh, on my guard a lot more with people who don't look like me. Mm. Not, not necessarily like non-POC people. I mean, with, with non-POC people, excuse me, meaning white people, sorry. But I mean, I am, <laughs> I am more on my guard with, with white folk, particularly because of history and be, with the context that informs that. Mm. But at the same time, I also am trying to get to a place where I'm like, hey, you know what I, uh, like, you know what? If I have no idea who this person is and I have no idea what they're about, 
I shouldn't assume that they're going to hurt me. That's it's ridiculous. I, yeah. it's, you don't want the same thing to happen to you. It's, right, right. Racism is based on a lack of information. Right. I firmly believe, and this is not popular, but I firmly believe that it's not a permanent condition. Mm. Mm. It's based on a lack of information. I forgot the black dude's name, but he converted, like, or deed, radicalized, like, 200-plus KKK members. Mm. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Whatever his name is, the, but the guy from he like, get called every black name you can call a black person when you're trying to disrespect them. Right. But the idea is that they said they could no longer be affiliated with the KKK knowing, you know, how good of a man he was. Right. That just right. means you have prejudice against behavior that you've attributed mm. to black people. Right. And once that behavior is disproven, right. well, what, I'm not, I, what am I holding on to now? Right. Yeah. Clearly it was a mis, miscalculation. You know what I mean? Right. And that's not everybody. Some people are just blind racist and that's cool. But a lot of times... I really much prefer open races than a, than, than, than a closet. Yeah, a, a I'm going to keep it real with you. Yeah, That's just me because I feel like I could talk to you and I could really dig into you where it comes from. Like, oh, yeah. you just don't know. Yeah. You have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Let's right. just talk. Right. I, I will say I much prefer no racist. Of course, of course. <laughs> but that's not reality. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I don't, need, I don't even know what to say. I've just been fascinated. <laughs> this conversation, I've... I've didn't realize how much I needed this. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, I did have a question, Ryan, about yeah. the first line. Um, yeah, poem. Of yeah. the poem. Yeah. 50-50. What, is that statistic true? Um, uh, so, so they say the odds of a black person surviving to the age of 30, that one. Yeah. So, no, there was a, um, a CNN uh, expose that happened. I, it was like, a while ago where they said um, it wasn't necessarily 50-50, but it was like some low percentage of like black people make it past the age of 25. Mm -hmm. And um, and so like, and, and Kanye, <laughs> funny enough. Song. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't supposed to make it past 25. It was the first 25. thing I thought of when you said that. It was the, it was the first thing that I thought of when yeah, I wrote it. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Cause like, it was like, yeah, he, he says that in the, in the song and I, I think one year I looked it up and was like, oh, that's crazy, you know, back then. And now I don't know if it's necessarily, I, I imagine people ne haven't like necessarily like measured that in the same way. But like the fact that that could be true then, right. you know, um, kind of bothered me. And so I was like, okay, well, let me like kind of hone in on that and like dial in on that and um and take it from there and and that exhausted me because you know you have to Don't go to try ha having a son yeah um, right that that's when i was reading that line and my husband was in the background and he read it and he was like that, that's not true is it and i'm like i don't know um and i i'm a teacher so i didn't have time to like actually <laughs> do my research yeah. but just when i when i read that line i mean my heart just like i have a 13 year old who's you know almost taller than I am right now. He's going to be taller than me very soon. And he's precocious and, and very, uh, we have dance parties. I mean, just this, that kid, yeah. you know, he's, he's just a, he's the joy and he's I don't know, feeling a little emotional, but you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's my, my baby. Right. So just to know that um, we're still living in this time. And although the percentages may, that might not actually be the case, but when you look at mass incarceration, I have a brother who's been in prison for 29 years, you know, and oddly enough, and I wanted to tell you about him, um, when the pandemic hit, he started reading his poetry to me. Mm -hmm. And now we have 29 pieces of poetry wow. that he's written that we've started a web 
his web page. That's awesome. And now he's writing the chapters in the book to go along with it. I mean, he yeah. never read anything. I mean, he's always written me for these 29 years, but he finally had the courage to like show his art. And now right. it's he's non-stoppable. And I'm like right. Right. trying to help him realize this dream. Like he wants his, his story out there too. You know, so yeah, just awesome. with, um, yeah, the odds being against us, I, I don't care about the odds. <laughs> <laughs> the three of you just went from 50-50 to keeping it 100. Nailed it again. <laughs> That's it. That's the first show. Stay tuned for our next episode, where a theater critic church music director and video game sound designer will chat about pretty shapes and colors. Maybe? <laughs> we'll hear you later. You Heard Me Right is a Spotify Sound Up original series and was workshopped as part of the Sound Up Accelerator program at Spotify headquarters in New York City. From Could Be Pretty Cool Productions, this episode was produced and edited by Casey Willis with help from Cooper Skinner and Jacob McCoy. Mixing and sound design by Cooper Skinner. Our executive producers are Casey Willis, Cooper Skinner, and Lexi McKay. Our writer and story editor is Caroline Baxter, and our production accountant is Simone Brown. Special thanks to Greg at Listen Up Audio, Kanye Willis, Remy, and Bima. From Spotify, executive producers Gina Delvac, Baron Farmer, Natalie Taluk, and Jane Zumwalt. For more information about today's guest artists, visit us at herdrightpod.com or follow us on IG at herdrightpod. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.